now hemp farmers uh, are just getting a lot better at growing. Uh, the genetics are getting better. A lot of people are going more organic. You're seeing a lot better, um, you know, people are getting away from using chemicals and all that kinds of stuff. So I think, uh, you know, what we've seen is the customer from from farmers to manufacturers to customers, everyone's just getting smarter and understanding more and just uh, holding a higher standard for the whole supply chain. Um, and we're seeing that in live. Thank you very much for joining me today, I guess this morning. I don't know what time it is where you guys are at early. It's what, an hour early, nine o'clock your time? It is, it's 9 a.m. Nine, okay, so it's 10 o'clock ours. But uh, for those that are joining or when you join, please like, share, comment. If you like what you're hearing, you can also find all of our content on YouTube, um, Anchor, you know, all the podcast channels. But I wanna get started and dive right in because I have so many questions, um, especially around what you guys are doing. But I love an intro with John and, and Ollie. How did you guys get into this? And, where are you guys going? Where are you uh, well, me and uh, this has been a long journey for me and John. We started years ago, um, just really playing around with extraction and uh, learning the process. And you know, we really got into this just based on the fact that um, we we hated the extraction process, and we found all the bottlenecks in the extraction process. So, that being said, uh, John's a brilliant engineer. Uh, and his background's in oil and gas. He's really the brains behind, you know, the technology. And um, and uh, that's kind of how we, we dove in. We, we, we started extracting and it was backbreaking and we were spending hours, I mean, 10, 12 hours a day. And by the end of the night, we were just, just I mean, it was like, you know, one of the toughest jobs we've ever had physically. Um, so that being said, we, you know, we, we streamlined that effort and found those bottlenecks and built our company and, um, and started playing around with technologies. And here we are years later. Okay. When you say backbreaking, what do you mean? Talk to me about what's this process look like for those that may not know, or for those that are, um, yeah, may, may not be in the extraction side. What made it so such a difficult process, especially coming from oil and gas? Or yeah, I mean, so my background, I mean, mine started, you know, over four years ago and, you know, first started by just, you know, taking biomass and dunking it in into a, a uh, container with cold ethanol. And then from there, uh, really, we got into, you know, using batch reactors and, um, and CO2 machines. And, and, you know, we would spend, you know, sometimes eight or 10 hours a day extracting. And at the end of the day, we would have a liter of oil out of there. Uh, and so when you're going 10, 12 hours and you're getting one liter of oil, and at those times, you know, it was, uh, it was a lot more expensive for that liter. So it made sense. But you know, 10 to 12 hours and one liter of oil using all this heavy machinery that was inefficient um, and that just didn't really work well. Um, and so, you know, me and John going through that, John really looked at it from an oil and gas background. You know, he, he owns numerous patents in oil and gas. And we just looked at it and said, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so um, that's kind of where the journey began was just 
how do we get from you know 10 12 hours of hard labor to create one liter of oil or distillate to you know how can we do this repetitively continuously you know to get 200 300 400 liters a day uh and um and yes but that was kind of the background um you know we we tinked around we had a just breaking down left and right and we had a battery actor that would never work properly uh and um and yeah so john put in the effort and and we really really looked at this as from a design aspect and um created some really really cool technology okay so i want to hear about it john (laughs) yeah just i mean um, that's a, that's a good uh, intro about our company and just, you know, kind of from the, my perspective, you know, it's not, it's not just a lean myself from a standpoint, we, we have kind of this background, but our, we have a pretty, we have a well-rounded team, um, machinist, fabricators, engineering, uh, sales marketing. So we have, we have a, a, a great company. Um, that's who Entex is. And so Entex is not Entex. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, you know, we're, this journey began with with Ali and myself, like like I'm like we just mentioned. Um, um, it, you know, for myself, it, it I've I've been in uh, a career engineer for for decades and and uh, and worked in oil and gas and worked in a lot of different industries um, besides oil and gas too, um, precision motion and whatnot. And so, kind of getting into this industry from that perspective, I, I mean, I came into it from that perspective. I think there's a lot of different people that get into this industry from different avenues and how they end up working in this industry is it's, it's pretty unique. It's kind of the wild west. Um, but, uh, you know, that's kind of my perspective and my path to get here. And so um, I think it makes for a unique um, value add to the company and, and what we can offer too as, 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 um, as a, a service and product provider, because that's how we're approaching it. We, we have some experience using um, kind of lab based old, old types of, processes and equipment um, and then really what I saw on, on and what this offers you know us as a company and also and the customers that we serve is um, you know the opportunity to bring really innovative um, and and great solutions to market that that really work and so that's what excited me about joining and starting uh, this type of uh, business is the ability as an engineer to be very innovative to bring great solutions to customers that that don't exist because you know, we experienced this. I went, you know, went to a school that our, our motto was learn by doing. And so um, that's kind of what we're, that's what we're doing. You know, how we ended up here. We, we, we did this. We found a lot of labor constraints and, and inefficiencies in existing processes and products. And um, that's kind of our mission statement is addressing those and really making a streamlined product that, that is efficient, is easy to use from a customer standpoint. And, and allows us to be innovative as a company, and and we've brought in a team that's that's um, uh, very uh, proficient and, and has a lot of experience in exactly what we're doing. So we have you know machinists that have thirty plus years of, of manufacturing machining experience, uh, making stainless steel parts and and whatnot. We have uh, sanitary process fabrication fabrication that has you know twenty plus years of experience building out sanitary process systems, breweries. Um, food and beverage plants and whatnot. So I think from who we are as a company too, is we have a very um, focused specific team that's focused on, on this industry. And so we include engineering, we include um, product concentration, 
all the way through machining, manufacturing, fabrication to a finished product. And I think that's um, offered, you know, creates a pretty unique um, advantage for the customer because we can really innovate great products for, from that standpoint and, uh, and deliver those products in, in a really, really short amount of time that are, that are really custom solutions for, for um, customers and, and address these issues that Ali had, had talked about. So when we talk about the different types of remediation or extraction, what's, what, what are you guys using? What's, what sets you guys apart? What makes, I know that so much of it is product in, is product out, but this extraction piece or the processing piece plays such a role in how, how much we absorb or how it's consumed or what end product it goes into. Yeah, so in regards to kind of the, the method that we're using, there's a lot of different methods out there for for processing and extracting and, and remediation, I think. So extracting and remediation are kind of two independent uh, processes and they have different methods that are used for each one. So, you know, from an extraction standpoint, um, Ali, you know, like he said, he's, he's, we've used CO2 and, and ethanol types of um, extraction um, solvents before. Um, there's the, you know, the light hydrocarbons, the butanes and whatnot. Um, I've personally never gotten into those. I have a lot of experience using those types of fluids, but um, they they just are something that you know I wasn't too interested in, in pursuing from a from a um, product solutions standpoint, just from the safety aspect and and how they're used. And so, um, looking at uh, the 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 what is scalable and what you can produce from a quality standpoint, um, an ethanol based uh, solvent extraction. Uh, platform is is what we decided to go with as a as a company, and so it it seems to be um, the best that we can find that's very scalable. And so you know if you want to take something from the like cannabis space that's 100 pounds a day or or less, and you want to scale that to the hemp space as you know, which is what 10,000 pounds a day, 20,000 pounds a day is is like the need. You have orders of magnitude of of scaling that you have to do um, to meet that customer demand. And so with that type of solvent and that type of process that allows us to do that. Um, and then in regards to remediation, you know, we're just bringing this remediation product to market right now. And um, fortunately, you know, we, we started down this journey of, of ethanol um, extraction technology, and then we just have been bringing to market this remediation solution, but that came after, you know, really our, our ethanol based solvent extraction technology and the remediation um, technology that we're, we're um, providing right now is really tuned for ethanol-based, uh, cold ethanol-based extraction. So it's really a great fit for us from the technology side. So um, I'll, I'll let you can get, maybe get into the remediation more, but the uh, uh, you know there's a couple of different ways that are that's typically used right now to remediate THC out of out of CBD products. And so um, the technology that we're using is a uh, is, is one of those ways. Awesome. Ollie, do you have anything you want to add? I know we can't uh, over. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to bore us with too much of the, you know, the science behind it, but, you know, we're really excited. We just launched the product. Um, you know, it's most of the remediation that's currently in the market right now, it's, it's all pretty new technology um, within the last few years. Uh, this technology that we've launched, it's been actually functioning for over five years in, in thousand kilo plus batches. Uh, so it's a tried and true method. Uh, we use 
um, certified USDA uh, 100% organic solvents proprietary to us. That took many years to 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 figure out, uh, and uh, and it's a scalable system. Um, as you know, as John mentioned, you know we really like to push the envelope as far as technology. So everything we do is what we call hands off hands off technology. So it's fully automated, uh, and you're really able to remediate in very large scales, comparatively speaking to the market right now, which is typically very small batches. Um, so it just it just went online this month. We're having a lot of success with it, um, and we're we're really excited for the future in remediation technology. So being able to do this brings lots of opportunity to get product at consistency. Um, is that I mean, where do you see the biggest need, or what have you seen is the biggest need for the industry to bring or bridge this gap and bring product to mainstream for consumers? Well, I mean, one one side of it is the uh, the legalization efforts right now, whether it's on the hemp side or the cannabis side, those are all looking really positive. 2020 was pretty tough on the market as far as COVID hitting. Uh, and then the presidential race towards the end of the year really put a damper on investments and a lot of the flow of capital in the industry, in most industries. Uh, and what we've seen um, this year uh, is everything is just really opening up regulatory wise and um, and on the banking side and on investment side. There's a lot of cash flowing in the industry right now. We're seeing it. Uh, we're seeing the the influx of orders coming in. Uh, you know, we're working with keeping up with demand, which is an amazing problem to have. Um, but it it really comes down to so on one side of it is the the, the legal side, which is coming around fast, uh, and then the other side of it really is um, I as you mentioned is really um, being able to have consistency in the technologies and the extractions. That's what, you know, the last few go arounds in the industry, uh, you had some, you know, some ups and downs in the industry. It was really a learning process, you know, people buying, going out and raising a lot of capital, not really understanding, buying a bunch of equipment, you know, and piecing what we call Frankensteining systems together getting an evaporation unit from one person, getting a batch reactor from one person, getting filtration from another person, kind of stringing it along, um, finding someone to kind of install it for you. And what you what the industry found was a lot of inconsistencies. So one batch was great, one batch was okay, one batch was great, and so on and so forth. Moving forward as, you know, as legalization comes around and the Coca-Colas of the world and all these the big pharma and the big investment companies start rolling in, um, these guys don't play by small batches. They're going to want big batches. They're going to want big yields. Um, and the name of the game is really going to be consistency and really um, compliance. Uh, so GMP regulations or compliance and EU GMP compliance um, and being able to abide by a certain code of production uh, and, um, you know, the days of me and John have walked through so many labs that are so dirty and wires hanging everywhere and dust falling on the ceiling and oil everywhere, just dirty. You know, those days, if you really want to last and you really want to create a long term business, you're going to have to really 
uh, have the best of the best processes, the best of the best SOPs in place, um, and the best of the best equipment, um, really, to to stand apart from the rest. Um, if you're kind of building a lab with the same old, same old, with, which is offered by everyone else, you're really going to be just, you know, another player in the game versus we kind of like to set ourselves apart and any labs that we build really do stand apart in technology. So that's kind of where we see the industry going. Uh, I love it. I, I agree and couldn't agree more. And for a long time, it's been kind of mind boggling to me because as a consumer, how do we know where our product is made or how clean it is or what the lab standards are? Where do you guys see this bridge being um, you know, completed in standardizing the expectations for the labs themselves? Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's very small. I mean, if, if you go to labs, you're right. I mean, you know, is there, is there beard hair getting into these extractions? Is there dust? Is there pollutants? You know, how is it being made? I mean, you know, again, going back to our old technology, you know, you, you, pull out your oil and then you have to go to what they call rotovaps, which means polishing off the, uh, you know, the solvent from there. So you have to take it out of the machine. That's a process. And you, you know, and then you got to get into this big glass beaker, you know, and there's all these imperfections that can get in. And then from there you have to take it out and put it into another device. And so you're pouring it from here, you're pouring it from there. There's a lot of touching of the material. There's a lot of handling of the material and really for us, you know, we, we call our technology hands-off uh, technology. That means that, you know, on our, on our big scale system, on a large scale systems, just from say 5,000 pounds per day to 20,000 pounds per day, you can run it with less than a handful of people and no one ever touches the products or sees the products. We have sensors all through the system. We have side glasses all through the system so you can watch your product through the different processes and literally from loading of the biomass, you can put your feet up and watch it through that extraction process through evaporation and never see a product. The only time you see it is really when you're off taking the product. And we have methods of that where you still don't, the product does still doesn't see the light of day and, you know, moving forward, that's going to be really key. And there's not a lot of people with that type of technology in the market right now. Um, and we're really excited to forefront that um, type of technology. I hear little kids in the background. Yeah, that's me. Sorry, guys. <laughs> John's at the office. I haven't made it to the office. <laughs> yeah, I left my kids at home. But uh, yeah, just speaking on, on what Ali was saying in regards to just quality and, and knowing what you get, you know, from, from the manufacturing and kind of engineering um, um, world, you have quality processes. You have ISO 9000. You have um, AS9100 if you're working in aerospace or whatnot. And so, um, you know, those are just quality pro processes that customers know you're making quality pro products consistently um, because you're certified to those levels. And and that's where I think this industry is going as well in, in regards to if you're, um, you know, making um, gummies or making a consumer product, you have to have that type of quality process in place, which um, you know, is, is like a GMP type of process. And so um, that's really, I think, where this industry is going. That's where we see customers um, asking about, you know, pretty much um, most of our customers are asking about that type of, of uh, process and, and um, you know, providing equipment that, that can support that for them, for their side. So um, like it, 
doesn't seem to be there yet. There's a lot of you know garage ink um, companies out there, which which is great. I mean, from from a standpoint of um, of you know everyone in this industry, we're trying to get there, and the hemp space has come from the cannabis space typically in terms of how stuff is made and how processed and whatnot. Um, I think that's changing, and, and hopefully we're a driver of that as well. Um, but you know that's that's where I think we're going as an industry is is um, is making sure end products um, are, are traceable and customers know what they're getting, and uh, you know that's what we're here to support as well for sure. So talk to me a little bit about this traceable piece because I think it's extremely valuable in understanding where it came from and consistency and so forth. So where do you see that playing a big role now compared to in the future? Um, so, I mean, I think there's a, um, a term like seed to sale, right? Like traceability. And so that we, we actually work with, um, and, and Ali probably can, can talk to this a little bit more, but we work with quite a few different um, technology companies that, that offer that sort of traceable um, database or, or, or um, solution for customers to be able to trace their products and how that ties into our system and, and kind of the solutions that we're providing to customers, you know, that we have, we have, you know, a black box say, and you have stuff coming in, you have stuff going out. Right. And so really you want to know what's going in and then you want to know what's going out is tied to what's going in. So you, so the customer knows um, the, that traceable um, avenue from, from seed to sale. So we have uh, in regards to, you know, our system, we have uh, a, uh, data acquisition. We have um, uh, data files that we that we save and allow we allow customers to interface with that to you know enter um, specific COA information or batch information. So that that information is is permanent um, and can be looked up as a record for for quality. Um, you know, then you get into the some of these other uh, networks that we're working with and, and technologies technologies that we're working with. We that can be tied now to more uh, global databases that that trace this that that um, you know other institutions can look at and, and really use from, from that standpoint. So we're implementing the um, that side from our end, and then in regards to, to quality and, and and data integrity, um, that information can be shared and utilized and um, and supported with with um, you know what the customer need is and what we're where we're going to from a quality standpoint. So. Well, and as John as John mentioned, um, you know, with our systems we currently have in place, the customer is able to again from seed to sale. Where the seed come from, the COA on the seed, uh, the COA on the on the actual biomass, uh, the input data information on extractions all through the process, and then who's off taking the oil, who's purchasing the oil, what retail chain is that oil to, and what customer purchased that oil. Um, and you can with with our um, with our cloud network, you're able to track that whole stream effort. And I think in the future, that's going to play a really huge value as far as um, analytics and um, really who's who's buying the oil in what regions and uh, demographics. I think you're right. Well, and I'm always curious, and maybe you know this, but. Um, regions certain regions uh servicing certain areas just like honey you know if i consume honey it's better for my allergies if it's local honey um 
I'm curious how hemp and how the production of local or consumption of local hemp also aids in any of these same concerns. Yeah. Um, I think at one time it did. Um, I think now hemp farmers uh, are just getting a lot better at growing. Uh, the genetics are getting better. A lot of people are going more organic. You're seeing a lot better, um, you know, people are getting away from using chemicals and all that kinds of stuff. So I think, uh, you know, what we've seen is the customer from from farmers to manufacturers to customers, everyone's just getting smarter and understanding more and just uh, holding a higher standard for the whole supply chain. Um, and we're seeing that in live in real time every day, uh, whether it be from farmers to extractors to manufacturers to customers, everyone just wants a better product. That's why, you know, as far as our remediation technology and to to be able to have uh, USDA certified organic solvents really played a big factor to us. And, and I really think down the stream, as people, as the as the world is turning that way, anyways, with you know Whole Foods and all these organic products, and you know everyone just wants to eat better and be healthier. Um, that that's a you know that's a that's a huge uh, offering to have, and uh, you know we're excited to to um, see the industry going in that direction. So you guys are able to you know process a pretty good sized volume, um, and there's been a lot of excess on the market, right? What's where do you see the market or do you see the market leveling out um, with the amount of farmers growing and then the access mm -hmm. to quality processing? Um, uh, yeah, we're, we 100% we see it growing. I mean, just the amount of inquiries we're getting, you know, on our website, you know, we have a cultivator section, we have a processing section. Um, and, um, and we're seeing inquiries all over the line. Um, and and it's 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 just really growing and it's growing really fast again those last few iterations or ups and downs in the industry was really a, a big learning curve for everyone everyone was super excited and raised a bunch of capital and when you know started farms and started extraction houses and all this didn't really understand and so that's what you're seeing you're seeing the industry kind of adapt and grow uh, i think we went from being children to now being teenagers, um, but uh, as you know, as the uh, the the farm bill came out a few years ago, uh, now we're we're really feeling the effects of uh, cannabis legalization. You know, all these countries. I mean, who would have thought Mexico would be completely legal? And uh, you, the U, uh, Europe is now going online to legalization. America is going online to legalization. With legalization, again comes. Big pharma comes the big players like Coca Colas and whatnot, uh, and and big banking, um, and so with that you're going to see a huge boom here in the industry. You know, I see it. You know, in the next six months to a year, um, and again, you're seeing people get getting better, processing processes getting better, technology getting better, uh, and the industry really growing really fast. You know, we had our board meeting yesterday, and that was one of our discussions is, you know, we're seeing an influx of, of customers right now on our website, um, you know, reaching out to us. And all of a sudden from last year, hey, we're, we're working on funding, we're working on funding, to now, hey, we're funded and we're ready to buy. 
Um, so we really feel and see the industry coming around, growing and expanding as we get uh, legalization coming around. What do you think it's going to take for us to really, I mean, well, I got two questions. How do you think that legalization of marijuana affects the hemp industry? Um, it yeah, I think it affects the hemp industry tremendously. I think that it, what it does is uh, it brings legitimacy to the industry. Again, it brings big business. It brings banking. It brings pharma. And it allows these portfolio, these investment portfolios that typically couldn't deal with, you know, marijuana being a class one drug and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Once that's gone, it really allows them to open up their portfolios to start investing. Uh, and then that's when you see the growth. I mean, everyone at one point in their life, for the most part, has smoked pot or is okay with it. We know that, you know, cancer patients and all these people that take, whether it's, you know, CBD oil to cannabis, it really helps. Um, and, uh, and they're finding the future of being able to get away from, uh, you know, using opioids as a base for pharmaceuticals to using cannabinoids. Um, you know, people are getting the same effects and, uh, and they're not getting the addiction rates or those, those horrible side effects that come with those types of op op opioids. So, um, you know, uh, the industry space with legalization, um, again, I think that it'll help the hemp industry also, and both industries are just going to boom. Um, if you wanted, if you missed the dot-com boom or the, uh, cryptocurrency boom or the real estate boom, um, this is the next big boom and this is the time to kind of jump on. And if you're smart, you can kind of create your stake in it. I think this is bigger than those booms. <laughs> I, I agree. Well, I mean, it's, it's an industry that, hey, when you have situations like horrible situations like COVID, um, it's kind of recession proof, you know, just like kind of like tobacco. And unfortunately, tobacco and alcohol is kind of repression, uh, um, recession proof. And um, so is cannabis. You know, uh, during um, during COVID, cannabis was up 40 percent. Um, and so, um, so it's just one of those industries that people love pot and people love CBD and, um, and, um, I, the world is coming around to it now. And I think they're looking for an alternative source, right? You know, the pandemic really for a lot of people made them question what they know. Sure. You know, and look at Absolutely. alternative sources and natural medicines. And so if somebody wants to get into business, you know, I've heard a lot. Uh, a lot of people say it's too late. It's too late to get into this business. You know, it's you're day late and a dollar short. Uh, what's your advice as far as somebody wanting to just start getting in, um, either been in business like in oil and gas or, um, yeah. You know what, uh, when we started, everyone told me that. If, if I listen to everyone on every businesses, I've owned probably 20 businesses in my lifetime and every businesses I've ever owned, whether it was family members to friends, it was like, oh, you're too late. I mean, every day there's a new gas station opening. Every day there's a new McDonald's opening up. Every day there's a new Starbucks. Every day there's a new, new real estate uh, company opening up. And so, you know, I, I really believe it's, first of all, it's about the, the, the people of the business. Uh, if you're a person like us, we're really relentless and, uh, you know, we will will it into existence. 
Um, and then you have the people that just don't have that mindset. Uh, again, you're on um, the the industry is in the upward trend right now. Uh, there's a lot of money to be made. Um, and if you do your research, there's a lot of um, most people are projecting it to grow a hundredfold. Um, so that being said, uh, people that understand businesses and that are risk takers and willing to fail. And, and if you're that type, if you have that type of mentality um, where you're really going for something big, um, you can do that in this industry. Um, so, you know, again, if you ask, if you ask the average person, they're going to say, Hey, don't do it. Don't open up that real estate company. Don't know. Don't get in cannabis. Don't get into, you know, I can't tell you how many people told me you you want to build extraction equipment. Oh my God, you're go you're competing, competing with some huge players and you're too late and this and that. And, and, um, and we've been able to grow and boom and create a really substantial business through this. Um, so you know, my suggestion is do it, dive in, be willing to fail. Um, try different things, be ready to fail. Uh, but in that failure, I guarantee you there's a lot of learning experience and, um, and you can always pivot. And um, sometimes you have to dive in head first to really make something big happen. Well, my question is always, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Get why wouldn't you? Yeah. This industry is, but it's like technology. It's in every facet of our lives. It will be everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so talk to me, when, we, when you say new technologies coming out, where are you guys headed? You know, what do you see on the horizon, either for the industry and or, you know, your business specifically? What's really oh, we, well, I mean, for us, it's all about, as John knows, is pushing the envelope. It's really finding the latest and greatest technologies, creating the latest and greatest technologies. Uh, we've been able to create some technologies that no one in the industry till this point has really been able to accomplish, um, accomplish, and 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 so, you know, so our my my job as a CEO is really is to look at what are the bottlenecks and what can we build that will help streamline these efforts. And so, uh, we've been able to you know build our IP portfolio. Uh, with that mentality, but uh, also we have some really exciting stuff coming out over the next two to three quarters that's really disruptive and that's going to really um, make people's lives a lot easier as far as extraction from the farmer all the way up to uh, the manufacturing, uh, really be able to streamline the efforts, really be able to make it so, um, again, it's a really clean process. Um, so we're we're really excited for the the next few quarters. Okay, well, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, just just so from my my end, you know, like there's in this industry, it's so open ended. I mean, we have specific kind of um, um, uh, disruptive technology technologies that we're bringing to market, like uh, products that we're bringing to market. But there is a million other innovations, products, solutions that exist that are substantial to apply to what we're doing in this industry or um, that are really customer recommended uh, efficiency improvements or, or um, products that, that there's a need out there for customers that you know we don't think of, but as an engineering and manufacturing um, company, we can provide. So um, there's these 
specific disruptive technologies that Ali is saying that we'll bring into market. But there is, you know, as in regards to what is available to um, to provide to this industry space, it's, it is so open-ended. It might be, you know, too open-ended almost in that regard because you, you, it's hard to find focus on, on what to put, your to put your capacity to work as as a company. So um, there's no shortage of that at all from a standpoint of, of providing solutions to um, to customers that, that you know, in, that's in our wheelhouse. I agree with you. It's, I always said when I got into this, it was like eating an elephant with a baby spoon. It is so big. And I just didn't realize how big or how many how far the tentacles spread, I guess, when we talk about hemp, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we work with, um, you know, we work with very, very uh, well-established companies that have, been, that have been servicing other industries for 100 years. And they're coming into this space, providing their solutions to this market. Uh, bless you, by the way. And, um, and you know, they're, they're seeing that they need to be innovative because their solutions that they've been providing to other industries and commodities for the last 50 years or 100 years don't work for this specific industry and, and the solutions and the and the processes that that are, that are needed and so there's such a big um there's such a just a big area for for product development and, and for um unique solutions um from 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 farm to you know final product and which packaging if it's processing if it's you know, any of that is just so, so open-ended right now. So it's, it's exciting from, from a standpoint of, uh, from, from us being a, a, you know, one of those product solution uh, providers. So lots of opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me how your process or how, what we're developing, right. For the industry is a benefit to our farmers. You know, our, so many of our farmers have taken such a hit either with bad genetics or not having an agreement at the end that was stable um, not having processing equipment, whatever it might be, you know, where do we, where does this piece of the supply chain really go back to benefit our farmers in the long run? Um, yeah. So, you know, we, as, as we've been building our business, you know, me and John have spent so much time actually going out to, the different farms all over the United States so and in different countries, meeting the farmers. And again, those first few iterations in the industry, um, you know, the farmers got screwed in a lot of different ways, you know, whether it was creating toll deals with manufacturers and, hey, we're going to get you X amount of yield. And and there was no there was so many so much inconsistency in the actual extraction process that they just lost money or, uh, you know, or you know, dryer companies, you know, sitting on the biomass because the dryers weren't working and the, you know, the, uh, the biomass degrading over time and just so many different ways that um, farmers lost money. Um, and we see that with the lower hemp prices now. Um, you know, I remember a time where, you know, hemp was going for, you know, 50 to $100 a pound. And, you know, now you can get it for, you know, for pennies on the dollar to, you know, on top on the top end, five dollars a pound. And so, you know, we are we've been trying to address that issue. Um, and we are now rolling out a process to work with farmers. That's an initiative that we're taking to where the farmer themselves can also process uh, and offtake the oil 
and get an ROI on their investments immediately um, and a lot more substantial than just selling biomass or, you know, top flower. Um, so that's something that will will be hitting the ground um, over the next few months. Uh, and it's really, I, I, we really believe it's really exciting for the farmer to be able to kind of uh, take their livelihood in their own hands. And um, and with typically the in the past, you didn't really see farmers uh, manufacturing so much because of the fact it's 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 a pretty defined process and it can be really difficult and backbreaking for what we found. Um, so again, with our technologies and how we've made it pr pretty much hands-free and very simple, so to speak, comparatively speaking, to most systems, um, we believe that far uh, the farmers can actually do it themselves. They have the manpower to do it. They have the space to do it. Um, and we're going to provide them the means and um, the means to be able to do it. And um, we uh, we really believe that over the next few years, you're going to see a lot more farmers actually processing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. To follow up on, on what Ali said there, you know, I remember uh, we had we had developed a really we thought state of the art system that um, could process a lot of a large throughput of biomass, and it was you know 800 plus pounds a day um, of processing using kind of this a standard um, a batch centrifuge type of, of extraction process, and um, it was it was um, it was better than most of the systems out there in regards to what was available. Um, and what could be run from a throughput standpoint? I remember sitting down with a, with uh, several farming groups and and you know saying, hey, this is this is a you know a great solution for you. And they're like, well, you know, they're they're hemp farmers, and they're they're like, well, this is you know we have a million pounds of biomass. Like this this isn't going to touch it. You're talking about a drop of water in the ocean. So um, in regards to how we can provide. Um, these types of solutions and make that farming um, uh, make these solutions more available to farmers. You know, that's that's something that we've specifically done with you know, making uh, hemp specific processing solutions because when you're talking about, you know, 5,000 plus pounds a day of throughput, I mean, I don't think anybody's doing that with cannabis. Um, so we've really developed our product line specifically tuned for these, for the demand for hemp processing and and um, that's that's been a direct customer feedback from the far farmers right there so uh, i think that's something we've taken into consideration and, and really um, developed our, our product lines around i think this is something that comes up it's something i hear all the time is well what are you doing for the farmers and i think that until we have this supply chain in line and steady contracts, our farmers are in R&D and they're in this constant up and down. And so this is a critical piece to their success. <laughs> Agreed. Without the farmers, I mean, there is no industry. So uh, at this point, you know, there was a point where the farmers are making pennies on the dollar. And, you know, and then you look at, say, the retail supply chain when, you know, a tincture is selling for $70 that has a few drops of oil in it. Uh, and you're looking at, you know, 10,000% markup on that. Um, so, again, you know, we can't do it without the farmers. And we're trying to find it. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking at solutions to, to really get them to be more profitable. Um, because as they're happier, as they're growing more, the industry is growing more. 
and um, and so we're we're happy. We we know the importance of farmers, and we're happy to kind of support them and and make sure that um, they're able to you know feed the family. So where do you guys see the end product selling into? Where are our big end markets right now? Um. So I mean, I mean everywhere. I mean, you know, we have you know through the years we've met a lot of friends and built many labs of you know different companies and you know there's companies out there that are just doing white label products they're creating tinctures and balms and gummies and white labeling it off and you know being very successful at it and and it's going to hundreds of different or hundreds or thousands of different companies um but yeah so i mean you it's funny um i went to the store yesterday uh, to to go get something for my wife, and I was going down the aisle, and all I saw in the lotion department is just this hemp lotion and hemp this and hemp that, and uh, and it's amazing that now when you go into CVS or you go into a Big Lots or you go into a Whole Foods, you see hemp everywhere, or in cannabis cannabis products everywhere now. It's just become mainstream. I have my aunts and uncles and my mom now. You know, hey, can you send me a package of, you know, this or that with CBD? I mean, it's just I never thought I would see the day. Um, so, you know, as the industry grows, as we see this next go around, this next boom uh, with legalization coming around and whatnot, we're, I think you're just going to see more and more products and more and more skews on the shelves um, and just full on exp expansion mode. Um, you, we're going to see it everywhere. and We already are. Um, so, you know, it's just going to get to, it's just, it's, it's becoming a, a common household item. Uh, and I think it's going to be more and more so, and people are, I think just wanting to get away from pharmaceuticals and, uh, chemicals. And, um, I think people are really seeing the benefits of CBD and, and cannabis. Where should people be paying attention? You know, where is this industry? Where's the next big opportunity? Or uh, what it, what what should people really be paying attention to? You know, I I'm big on the textile side or the fiberglass or automotive uh, biofuels. Um, you know, what about the health and wellness side or CBD side? What I mean, I think it's everywhere. Again, we're getting inquiries for everything. There's people creating, you know, hempcrete. They're building houses with hemp uh, hemp byproducts and cars and and um airplanes and so i think that the um the industry is becoming very creative uh, on how to take that byproduct and create products from it um and like you said uh, whether it's from fibers whether it's for clothes whether it's for medicines um we see full-on expansion everywhere from from all over the world you know again from israel to europe to uh, Australia to the Americas, you're just seeing full-on expansion on the actual product. And there people, you know, at one point, I remember there was a point, uh, you know, with cannabis, people would just throw the trim away. You know, they would trim it up and they would burn it or throw it away. And that's what you did with it. And you know, I remember people were shocked when you people were getting 200, now 200, 300 pounds at that time for trim. They were like, holy you know, holy s, like this is crazy. And so uh, now, what you're finding is they can use everything from the root uh, to the stems to the stalks to the flowers to the biomass. Every part of 
the uh, the plant is being utilized in one way or another. And with any expansion, you're going to see that more and more as the internet you know, blew up during that tech boom, say like the nineties, you just started to see the branching effect of, you know, all these new companies like YouTubes and these pay services and just all these different things that came from the internet. So as you have just hemp and cannabis industry, you're getting that same effect of all these different companies kind of um, expanding from, from that base portfolio now into all kinds of new and exciting technologies. I love it. I, it's fascinating. And if it's every day, if I only hit one person to explain opportunity in the hemp industry, then I'm doing my job because yeah, it's, it's, it's booming. I mean, there's, and there's, well, there's a lot of opportunity in it. And uh, if you're smart and you have a, you know, if, if you're able to offer something that's needed in the market right now, um, I think that you can do really well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I just have a couple of more questions. Product, sure. when it comes to you or into the machine, is it dried or do you extract wet? Um, yeah. So our machines, I mean, you could really extract wet or dry. Um, we have certain SOPs in place that we, we prefer a certain amount of moisture content in there. Uh, the wetter you extract, um, the more, um, uh, chlorophyll fats and lipids you can actually extract um, and and then there's just that'll um, that you're going to have to change your ethanol a little bit faster the name of the game is to you know keep recirculating your ethanol you know with our systems uh, the ethanol just keeps circulating through the system so you don't have to keep you know adding or replacing it often um, so we 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 typically like a, you know a, a 12 to uh, 20% moisture count. So we like it dried and we like it uh, like a coarse chop. Um, and we find that when you do that, you get the cleanest and the best extracts and you don't um, do a number on your filtration systems. Mm -hmm. um, and then isolation and terpene extraction. Can you talk to me a little bit about what's, what's the big benefit to this and the buzz because this I think it's more trendy than it has been. <laughs> yeah, well, and, uh, John, you want to take a um, Yeah, I can ex expand on that. So, you know, we, in regards to terpene, so those are two separate things, the isolation and the terpene, and the terpene um, um, products. And so with the, with the terpenes, you know, we the light uh, monoterpenes and um, uh, those like flavorful aromas, we can extract and, and typically that's done in the cannabis markets. But with, you know, with hemp, there's there's really great strains of hemp that have these great terpenes and, and aromas to them that are being grown now. And so with that sort of um, process, we use a, a, a low temperature um, steam based um, terpene extraction process. And so with that, you can target these light uh, terpenes and, and really create these flavorful aromas. You don't need much for uh, customers don't need much of that to, to use in their in their products. Um, and it's something that you can really target. And it's, a, I think, a, a great niche for customers to be able to um, to remove those from the plant base um, prior to extraction or, or just in general. And so that's something that we're seeing a lot of kind of unique need for and, re and interest in from a customer standpoint. And then, um, you know, in regards to the um, isolation process, you know, that so isolates the is pretty much pure CBD. 
um, it's it's a powder basis as a solid. And so that process um, is used for a lot of different things. So there's a unique need for that in the market from, from a customer standpoint and, and product standpoint. And so right now you can, you can do it. Um, uh, there's a lot of different ways to, to do that. And our process that we use to do it is a, um, is a, is a temperature cycle and a, and we use a, a solvent to um, take distillate and really you're in the, you know, 90% tile range of, of CBD with distillate. And then that's a fluid based product and you can run it through an isolation reactor and, and you can create a solid um, powder based product with isolate. And so uh, those two technologies are something that we make to our, our extraction equipment and our, in our, in our um, those product solutions to be able to kind of run from biomass to, you know, kind of the way we envision it is, is you have biomass, a biomass source it's like Ali said, it's a dried biomass source and you can take that and you have multiple product streams um, that customers, you know, really want. And so, you know, one is, is a full spectrum crude and, and, and distillate, which is a, a fluid or oil based product. And then from there you have um, the, the isolates, which are more refined. And so um, that's what we're doing as a company is providing those solutions to um, your, your daughter likes likes isolate. I can tell Ali. Um, and so that's what we're doing is providing those uh, those solutions to customers to be able to create those those um, those end products. And, and if so, I can add uh, one uh, thing to the terpene, it's it's become really important um, for terpene extraction because before most uh, most say vape uh, lines or anyone that was doing extraction was doing their extraction, then a lot of people were using like um, like fake terpenes or. Uh, or, um, you know, uh, terpenes that are chemically um, manufactured. But what you're finding with that whole organic push and seed to sale, seed to sale push, uh, people want, if, if you say if you're a cannabis guy and you're extracting, say, white widow, you want to smell and taste white widow. You don't want anything else and you want it to be organic. Um, so as you're doing your extraction and say you get your distillate from the distillate, now you have your distillate in one hand and you have your terpenes of the same COA, the same product, and you mix the two and you have one product from the same plant uh, versus any kind of chemicals or, you know, any kind of, you know, and really any chemicals being put into the product. Right. Um, well, and it's, Terpenes play such a role in your entourage effect, right? Completely. More, more education is coming out about them and the value and how important they are. Um, so slippery slope maybe, but what about Delta 8? Where do you see Delta 8, Delta 9, Delta 10, or Delta 10 and 11, I guess, not 9. But where do you see uh, them falling? Yeah, this? I mean, the you know, we've been in this for years now, and every year there's a, the new, new. Uh, whether from CBD to CBG to CBN to CBZ and to CBX to Delta one two three to a hundred, uh, as technology grows, people are understanding the different cannabinoids, the different effects. Uh, Delta eight, um, I think, is an awesome um, is an awesome product. Uh, it's in the infancy infancy stages right now. People are just getting their hands around uh, how to create it and. Uh, potentially how to create it more naturally uh, versus some abrasive approaches right now. 
Uh, of course, then you have Delta 10, which is like the, the new new, which everyone's really trying to figure out right now. Um, but that's just the industry. So as the, as technologies get better, as um, as PhDs start coming in, we're seeing a lot of PhDs coming in the industry, a lot of chemists coming into the industry, and they're they're bringing their take on this, and that's what's happening. You're seeing all these cool new products coming out, um, and you're going to have your bumps in the road where you know the regulatory side of it is going. What do we do with this delta eight? Because it kind of gets you high, but there's no THC in it. Uh, you know, so where does it fall in? And this is whole gray zone, so to speak. Um, and that's in any industry, that's going to be the, the infancy stages um, that you're going to go through. And we're going to keep going through those over the next X amount of years. And there's always going to be the new product. Um, and I think, um, you know, time will tell how they get regulated and what's going on. But you see, you know, you see governments and um and states getting involved now with Delta 8 and the topics coming up more. Um, but it's kind of like John said, it's kind of the wild, wild west right now where people are just kind of trying it trial by error, you mm. know, and um, and uh, but that's the beauty of an emerging market. And uh, it's exciting. Again, we can have a conversation next year this time and I will probably be talking about Delta 13 and Delta 18. Something different. <laughs> uh, you know, it's going to be something in the CBX, you know, who knows what, what you mean next so, year. It'll just, yeah. just give it a month or two. Yeah, Yeah, it's super exciting. That's what we're seeing. And uh, as a technology company, you know, it's we we look to uh, adapt routines in our extraction process that help people create these different products. So, um, you know, we're excited to have that. Um, and um, and we're going to keep pushing the envelope. Cool. Well, I am very thankful to be connected, guys. I love to link arms and highlight people that are doing it right in the industry. Um, I did share your contact information. If, you, if anybody else needs anything or wants help reaching or out or getting in touch with either Ollie or John, don't hesitate to contact me at globalhempassociation.org. Uh, anything else you guys want to add before we sign off? It's been an hour already. Oh, well. John? Yeah, no, just thanks for your time, Andy, and, and having Absolutely. us on. And that was, it, was, it was great to be a part of this. And yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, Absolutely. thank you, Mandy. Let's do this again sometime. Let's catch up over the next few quarters and do this again. And let's see uh, what's come out and uh, how the industry has changed from there. So let's get, I'd love to have you guys on a Q&A session. I do an education series every Thursday at 2 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, but I'd love to do one specifically around extraction, remediation, isolation, all of that. And equipment. We would love to do that. Okay, let's, we'll set something up. It's probably the end of June, but let's get awesome. something together. Awesome. Sounds good, Manny. Thank you for your time, and we look forward Thank to talking more. Take care. Absolutely. Talk right. soon. Thank you, guys. Bye.